to another episode of Ebbs and Flows. So today I kind of wanted to delve into talking about writing and writing as a coping mechanism. So um, if you have heard previous episodes of the podcast, uh, this might sound really similar to the um, episode about art, vulnerability, and self-expression. I think that was episode four. It is a bit similar, um, but I kind of wanted to dive deeper into writing specifically. Um, although a lot of what I want to talk about, I think, also applies to different arts as well. And I really wanted to sort of dig deeper into using it as a coping mechanism. So not necessarily the uh, vulnerability and expression and authenticity side, but more of the side where you use it to cope, to sort of process and deal with things that have happened or are happening in your life. Without further ado, um, let's get started. There are a couple of different aspects I wanted to talk about. Um, so to give a bit of background, I have been a writer, well, okay, I'll put writer in quotes, writer, for a while. Um, I decided to start writing in high school and I will be completely honest here and just be very straightforward that when I decided to start writing in high school, I was basically looking for something that I can put on my college applications that wouldn't require me sort of leaving the house or putting in any extra money that was very introverted. So yeah, fully like open here. That is how I actually started writing. In terms of like coming up with stories, that goes a bit deeper, but I'll get into that afterwards. Uh, so yeah, I kind of started to get into it in high school and basically I ended up kind of hanging out uh, in writing communities, especially online. Um, I don't know if you guys heard about NaNoWriMo, that is basically National Novel Writing Month. Um, it's in November, the goal is essentially to write 50,000 words in a month. Um, I, it can be a bit different depending on like with the Young Writers Program for people under 18. But anyways, um, that is a thing. So I kind of started going on those forums and uh, hanging around a bit around different writing communities. Um, and now I have friends who are also writers as well. So yeah, that's some good background, I think, to have as I talk about this, because I've noticed that there is some stuff that's sort of common among people who write, and it doesn't necessarily apply to everyone. Uh, so it might not be completely universal, but it's still like a common enough phenomenon to note. So I did want to sort of talk about that. Um, I kind of wanted to talk about how writing can be used as a coping mechanism growing up um, and certain trends you see in like fan fiction and stuff. Um, I'm not a huge reader of fan fiction, but I'm definitely aware enough of um, a lot of the common tropes and I wanted to talk about writing things that are sort of dark and how that can be used for coping and how it can be misunderstood as well and kind of go into um, like dealing with dark thoughts and feelings in general, whether or not you, you use writing to sort of deal with it. Um, and then I wanted to talk a bit more about the self-expression side, um, especially as it pertains to fiction and how that works. And 
Uh, I wanted to also mention, because I feel like in an episode like this, it's very important to mention the sort of stereotype or general idea that some people have that art comes from suffering, that the best art comes from suffering, and sort of the problems with that idea. So yeah, I have a lot that I want to talk to you about today. So I guess I'll start with how we can sometimes use writing as a coping mechanism growing up. Like I said, I started sort of getting interested in writing writing in high school. Um, and then I would not write for very long periods of time as well. Like I said, completely honest. I found fiction writing very difficult to do like consistently, but I loved being in the communities. And like a couple years ago, I started um, writing more poetry, which I'm doing more fiction now. But anyways, um, I did start writing in high school, but I've had like stories sort of going on in my head for much longer than that. Um, so nothing complicated really. I would mostly just call it daydreaming. A lot of these were fan fiction, sort of like set in universes of like shows or books that I really liked. And then there's one that's kind of stuck with me and has evolved and changed a lot. I think it kind of started when I was like 12 or something. And I still like have this story in my head and like these characters, even though like it's it's evolved so, so much. Um, okay, and in the interest of being super open, <laughs> uh, that actually did also start as a sort of like fanfic sort of situation. And these are mostly like self-insert fanfics, like Mary Sue things. I'm not going to tell you what book it came from. Some of my friends know, uh, but like, yeah, that's a bit too embarrassing to share on the podcast. Um, but it's kind of, I would say it's pretty unrecognizable now. Um, there are a couple of distinguishing features that may make it stand out, but honestly, those are very general tropes and I feel like they've been used a lot. Um, there's just like a couple of big stories that we think about when we think about those tropes, but um, I've seen that that's a kind of a common thing for people to start writing because um, they're really looking at fan fiction and they're looking at like self inserts and like these universes that they're interested in and all of this stuff and it involves wish fulfillment a lot of the time and the thing is like with all these tropes right like I'm talking about Mary Sue's and self inserts um, I'm going to backtrack and actually define those in if you don't know what, what those are. So a self-insert is essentially when you um, basically turn yourself into a character and plop it into like a world. It doesn't have to be fan fiction. So fan fiction is essentially when, um, you know, there's like a book or a TV show or whatever. Basically, there's like a story or a piece of media fan fiction is essentially when people who aren't the original author they write stories about those characters or in that universe. It's essentially like um, stories with like the same characters in the same world, sort of, but it's written by like a fan. So that's what fan fiction is. Um, a self-insert uh, is, like I said, a character who is basically you, is basically the author 
um, and they are a character in the story. They're usually the main character. That's normally how it goes. Um, and that can be like, you can have a self-insert like in fan fiction, like with fan fiction, you can also like add additional characters in if you want. So one of them can be a self-insert um, or it can just be in sort of regular fiction. You can say that there's a self-insert. A Mary Sue is usually used in a very negative light. So it is essentially um, a self-insert and normally it's a, a term used when it's like okay everything in the story revolves around this character and you might think like okay that's just what a main character is but a Mary Sue generally is something that people say when they complain um that this is like a character where the story is all about them they can do nothing wrong um, and the story never criticizes them and they might be overpowered. Um, so that's kind of an idea. Honestly, the definition of Mary Sue is kind of contested and I have my own views on that, but that would cover an entire episode of, in and of itself. But um, that, that's kind of like an idea of what these terms are. Um, I didn't define them super precisely. So if anyone's a writer, don't come at me. So... A lot of the time with a Mary Sue or a self-insert, like, it's a lot about wish fulfillment. Um, like I said, uh, Mary Sue can kind of be used negatively to say, like, okay, this story is, like, warping around this character in a way that doesn't make sense. But a lot of the time, that's why someone writes a Mary Sue, because they are having fun. They are essentially um, going through wish fulfillment. They are writing it in such a way where it makes them feel good like okay like all these characters want to be my friend um and all of this stuff and the thing is these are always used in a very negative way these tropes these terms like when people talk about it like oh this is just like a wish fulfillment story but i kind of feel that's unfair and in all fairness, you can argue like those things aren't fun to read and a lot of people acknowledge like it's okay to write it, but as a reader, it's not something I enjoy, which is totally fair. Um, but I think some of it also ties into issues with sexism. I guess a better example of this to help it make sense would be if you look at the romance genre, just in, in general. And one of the things actually the romance genre is accused of a lot is wish fulfillment. So it's very relevant. Um, ro the romance genre is by and large um, read by women and it is considered as almost like an inferior genre to read. Something that's less intellectual to read, that's all about wish fulfillment, that these women are like secretly trying to live out their fantasies through like reading these types of stories. One thing that I actually was hearing about recently on another podcast is that a lot of this is steeped in sexism, honestly. And that's the thing with a lot of tropes I see in like sort of fan fiction as well. It seems like when a woman is kind of having fun writing these things or when it's a very sort of woman heavy like space there's all these criticism um and you will see this especially with things that teenage girls like like if the majority of an audience for for literally anything is teenage girls it's considered to be like less intellectual it's considered to be like more like fluff 
you know? So that is something I wanted to talk about because I think wish fulfillment through writing can be a really healthy thing for someone to do and it shouldn't be something that they're ashamed of doing. And there's absolutely, I think, a sexism component to why it's kind of looked down on in certain ways. I mean, if if you sort of say, well, the romance genre is all these things and you don't really have like an equivalent for men, um, I will point you to action movies because those are absolutely um, so much wish fulfillment, so much Mary Sue. And honestly, I, I kind of hate action movies, honestly, more because of how they usually treat their female characters. If they didn't treat their female characters that way, I would probably say like, well, I don't really get it, but it's fair. Um, so like, it's not necessarily like the actual writing issues, I think, that are the problem. I really do think that there is like a double standard going on. So that is one thing I wanted to talk about. Um, I did want to talk about how I've found that a lot of like myself and writer friends that it is not an uncommon thing to have like that sort of fan fiction story and maybe it changes and evolves and stops being fan fiction at one point um maybe it doesn't but to have that story and to have like yourself as a character in it and to use that as something enjoyable to do and usually the stories have like some elements which are used as coping mechanisms so like if there's something that you feel is missing from your own life you put that in the story so it's something your character has or if it's something that is missing from your life maybe your character is missing it too um as something to relate to if there's something you wish you had about your personality maybe you give that to like the self-insert character um it's kind of hard to like always distinguish very clearly Essentially, your self-insert character is going to have some things you don't have and sometimes they will not have things because you don't have them and it's like a an interesting mix. Like it's hard to really determine what's what because I don't think these are all really conscious decisions. I think a lot of it is unconscious, which is one of the things that is really helpful about art is that it can be sort of indirect in that way. But it is such a common thing that I found that these daydreams lead to these stories, lead to all of these experiences that your character who is you goes through um because it helps you kind of process like about your identity and all of this stuff um just like growing up and it's kind of wild to me that it is not something that is just me um i mean at this point it's kind of normal because i've known this about like some of my friends for a while and um like i said i've been in writing communities but I hadn't realized initially that this was something that happens to like multiple people and sort of leaning into the um, indirectness of it because it's not a direct translation, right? It's not like a diary entry, especially with fiction. It's a very sort of indirect way of communicating. And I think that's something unique about it. When I first started getting into fiction, that's what really appealed to me about it. 
Um, so that is one form of self-expression. And then you also have like poetry and creative non-fiction, which are very different forms of self-expression. So like when I'm in the mood for poetry versus when I'm in the mood for writing story, those are very different for me. Because when I write poetry, I'm being very direct. Like sure, I might use like metaphors and stuff and I might not be like writing very concrete sentences. It depends. But it is me talking directly about a feeling I'm having normally. Um, whereas fiction isn't really like that. It's a story, right? So it has different twists and turns and I'm not necessarily talking about me. I'm talking about my characters. So that is definitely like a different avenue. And I think that's what a lot of people actually find valuable as well, is that it's sort of this way of communicating where it's like your story has themes, but it's not really powerful if I just sift down a theme to one sentence and tell you. It's much more powerful if you hear the whole story itself. Okay, so I am going to pivot now a bit and talk about writing um, things that are dark. So this is actually what I was originally thinking about when I first wanted to record this episode. So this came up uh, because essentially I was like having a conversation with my friends about writing things that are dark and sort of is it good or bad because I think you know especially if you talk to people who aren't writers or aren't artists if you tell people that you've been writing some things that can be kind of disturbing it's something that might worry them. It's something that brings a question like, oh, is everything okay? This actually goes into a broader subject about like having quote unquote dark thoughts and feelings. Um, one thing I have learned just in terms of general mental well-being and mental health is that it being able to accept your thoughts and feelings is so, so important. It's actually a... I was going to say it's a huge part of meditation, but I'm not even sure if that's a good way to put it. I think that kind of is meditation. Like that is what meditation practice is. Accepting like the thoughts and feelings that come and not necessarily attaching yourself to them, but just, you know, letting them go, letting them pass. One thing that I heard today, I was doing yoga um, on a YouTube video and there you have like a little meditation segment at the end. And he basically said, um, and this couple, they run a YouTube channel, they say it from time to time. It's not about controlling your thoughts and feelings um, when you're meditating, but it's about not letting those things control you. So I feel like that's very relevant. Um, pushing aside thoughts and feelings that we don't like for whatever reason, like whether they're dark or whatever, it really just... Um, gives them more power. We cannot bury these things, I guess. And I feel like I'd better be able to sort of describe this if I was a more of a mental health professional, but hopefully it makes sense. So that is why I think writing dark stuff, honestly, it's something that I can still struggle with like and feel guilty about if I ever write something that's sort of disturbing. 
Um, but it's just, I think it can be a way of processing. Um, and it can also, I guess, potentially become like indulgent, but that's kind of like any habit. There can be a line, for example, between sort of accepting that you are um, sad for whatever reason and sort of moping in it and kind of identifying with it a bit too much. That is a boundary that exists, but at the end of the day, it's really just about, I think most of the time, about processing and doing it in a healthy way, right? Because you're not hurting anyone if you're writing. Um, You're not doing anything harmful and it can be a good way to, you know, get things out, especially if you kind of feel like tense or like you're buried in. And there is obviously a conversation to be had about whether it's appropriate to share something. And that also varies depending on the audience, but sharing a piece of writing and just sitting by yourself and writing it are very two different things. This is a bit of a tangent, but I will say as a general rule, like if anyone says that they've never had an intrusive thought or like something that maybe was a bit dark that they didn't like, or just that they've never had any sort of baggage or anything. This applies to so many things. Like if they've never had any baggage, if they've never had any sort of issues that they had to deal with, like they are not self-aware people. And I used to really push back on that idea. I was like, no, people are allowed to say that. And it's like, yeah, they are. Um, But I have realize that everyone who has ever said that in my vicinity has had issues that they just didn't deal with. Um, So yeah, I think um, if anyone tells you that, oh, but you know, you shouldn't have dark thoughts and it's not something that everyone does have, they are wrong. (laughs) That's, I guess, the best way to put it. Like they're not correct. Okay, so final way to close out this episode, and this is very important because I've been talking about writing as a coping mechanism, and I know that there is very much the idea out there that the best art comes from suffering, that these um, people with mental illness, I think Picasso is a very, very common example that is given. Um, that look what has come out of their mental illness, look how beautiful their art is, and it's like, okay, okay, we have to slow down because this is a problem for a number of reasons. Number one is that it kind of glorifies mental illness, and you might say, well, okay, but if it's true, it's true, which is fair, but it is not true. I think the suffering artist stereotype, it exists, and there are certainly examples of it, but it kind of neglects the examples where people are perfectly healthy and they produce art. And I think that is something you will hear from a lot of people who do produce content and art is that they feel that they produce more when they are feeling better. Um, so yes, there are examples of sort of the suffering artists, but there are also examples of the opposite. And it's not really a good 
image to have. It's very common to also say that, oh, you know, art comes from madness. I think madness can mean a couple of different things. Uh, madness can sort of mean sort of like the state of uh, ecstasy and inspiration that feels like otherworldly and that's all well and good so I'm not I'm not saying anything against that um, but madness can also be a way of saying mentally ill um, it's kind of a very sort of old-fashioned way of sent say saying mentally ill which is kind of problematic because First of all, it's it can be a kind of derogatory, even though in this context it's being used in a positive way, but mental illness is something that is so broad. And to put all of that under sort of one umbrella and say like, yes, this breeds creativity. It's like, no, that's not how it works. Um, there are so many different types of mental illness. And there's like people who have different levels of like mental health and struggles and just even over time as well with just a single individual that may not even classify as any sort of diagnosis. So I feel like I haven't made that good of an argument. And there are people who phrase this much better than I do, but I did want to at least make the point to push back on the idea because a lot of the time having a bad time can get away, get in the way of good art. And I did want to mention it since I am talking about writing as a coping mechanism. Like, yes, writing can be used as a coping mechanism. Um, but coping mechanisms also aren't always talking about like, oh, life is horrible, so I have to cope, right? Coping mechanisms are just a part of everyday life because there's no one who is happy 100% of the time. It can just be as simple as, oh, I um, was stuck in traffic today. So I was feeling kind of down in the morning. So like when I got out of my car, I just like bought some coffee before I went into work um, and treated myself. So it can be as simple as that. Coping mechanisms are just really a part of everyday life. Some are unhealthy and some aren't healthy. And that's just what it is. And like I also said, everyone does have package. So when I say like writing is a way to eat, process things or it can be a way to process things like everyone has things to process and it doesn't have to be a big deal it may be a big deal like it's just life and I wanted to end on this quote um that I saw on tumblr I think like a few weeks ago and I feel like it applies really well to this specific point all right so the quote is my father died while I was writing this book, but the book isn't about him. There's a condescending tone I hear when people say, writing is so therapeutic, how wonderful that you could take your pain and make something out of it. But writing isn't therapy, painting isn't therapy, music isn't therapy, living well is therapy. We've taken the arts out of living and now we only leak them back when people tell us we're sick. It's almost impossible to convince anyone that you can make something when you're healthy or just because you want to. And this is from The Doubling of Self, an interview with Richard Sicken by Peter Mishler, I think is what it says. So yeah, I... Well, my kind of interpretation of this is that he's kind of saying that the arts are part of living well 
And that is why they are therapeutic because they are part of having a good life. Um, and that's how I'm seeing this. And he's kind of saying that because they're not a primary part of living or they're not considered or seen as like a, a big part of being alive and just living life, um, it's now kind of hard to tell people like, I can still do art when I'm perfectly fine or not for any sort of traumatic reason. Um, because people associate it so much with something you sit down to do when something has gone wrong. And I think this is actually true with a lot of things. Because if you hear people talk about mental health and like therapy and uh, all these things and the suggestions that are made like, oh, like maybe meditate, journal about your feelings and all of these coping mechanisms to just deal with like depression or anxiety or anything. It's kind of strange because these things add something to life, even when they're not being used as an antidote or for something or like a solution, right? Um, like, I'm just going to use meditation because I've mentioned it a lot this episode. So it's the first thing that comes to mind. People say like meditation, it's very good for dealing with like stress, for depression, for anxiety, and it helps with all of these things. And that's true um, for like a lot of people. The thing is, it's still valuable if you don't have any problems to solve. And that's the thing I think with art too, it can be something that's a fulfilling part of your life that just makes you happier without it having to cure something. For some reason, it's not a super common thing to have like discussions about what living well looks like, like the practices surrounding it beyond sort of being successful. There isn't much talk beyond that about like how to be happy and healthy um, just with yourself until you start talking about, oh, I have this issue that I'm dealing with. How can I help myself get through it? And that's when it starts becoming more of a conversation. All right, so that is kind of what I wanted to cover with you guys today. I kind of wanted to delve deep into sort of writing and um, all these different aspects of using it to like cope and live life well um, and how art plays into that and all of these things. Uh, so I hope you enjoyed. I think this episode has run a bit long, so I might split it up into two parts, but we'll see. As always, thank you so much for listening, and I hope that you have gotten something valuable out of uh, today's podcast episode. Have a good rest of your day. Bye! La, 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 la.